Unlock Your Potential with Nick Hutchinson, an in-depth discussion on Rise of the Reader. Join us in this riveting interview with Nick Hutchinson, the master behind book thinkers and author of the transformative book, Rise of the Reader. Discover how Nick's journey led him to create a monthly platform that reaches over a million people and hosts globally recognized authors. We dive into his book, Rise of the Reader, discussing its core concepts and the powerful strategies it offers readers to unlock their full potential. Don't miss this chance to learn from one of the industry's leading figures and start your path towards becoming a more effective reader today. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. you a little bit about the guests that we have here today. Nick Hutchinson founded Book Thinkers, a successful marketing agency connecting authors and readers. In seven years, he's built a platform reaching over a million people monthly and hosts a top-rated podcast featuring high-profile authors. His services, including video production, podcast booking, and social media branding, have helped many authors reach millions and boost their revenue. Also an author, Nick wrote Rise of the Reader, a book on improving reading skills and applying learned knowledge and so much more. I'm excited to discuss this. Please help me welcome Mr. Nick Hutchinson to the stage. Hi, Nick. Hi, April. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really excited. Absolutely. And so am I because I have gone over your book, Nick, Rise of the Reader. I have it here to share with the audience today. And it's awesome, man. I mean, you you truly are applying the knowledge and sharing that with your audience. So, so excited to dig into it and give that back to them and to our audience today. But let's get started by sharing with them a little bit more about you. Let's get to know Nick Hutchinson. Well, although I am the book guy, I didn't start that way. So it might surprise everybody that can see my background today, which has over a thousand books that when I was growing up, I was not much of a reader. I was more of the athlete stereotype, not really much of the academic. So you couldn't pay me to read a book when I was growing up. And that attitude uh, sort of carried with me into my college experience as well. But it changed when I was going into my senior year after I accepted an internship at a local software company. It was a sales internship. And my boss, Kyle, at the time, I think you recognized some unfulfilled potential in me. I was sort of a, a young, know-it-all, 20-year-old. And uh, he said, hey, listen, man, you're commuting an hour each way to work, five days a week, 10 hours in the car. The same music, right? Listening to the same song for the 300th time, it's not going to change your life. But the right podcast might. And so that's how I got into this space. I started listening to shows where hosts just like yourself would interview a series of successful people and they would talk about what they did to be successful. And 
so many of them gave at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. And so I sort of realized at one point that if I was deliberately choosing not to read the books that made these people successful, then I was also choosing to live under my potential. And as a very competitive guy, I uh, went to my local Barnes and Noble, picked up a couple of books and the rest is history. I've been reading 50 or 60 books a year on average ever since. Ah, oh, that's amazing. And, and what a wealth of knowledge in order for you to really become that that sage in the universe today. And Nick, I got to say, I don't know how old you are, but you look so young to have such a beautiful insight on life and the world and have the understanding that knowledge is is indeed true wealth. And so I, I think that's incredible. You do start that out in your book where you describe what it was like the first time that you drove to Barnes and Noble and uh, you saw the magic of all the books. I still love walking in there and just the smell of it and the magic of what is behind those pages. And so, yes, absolutely. I think it's really exciting. And that's why I have so much joy doing what I do here today, just like you have found too, where we get to interview people who have done all the things. There's nothing like speaking directly to a human being who has inspired you so greatly along your journey and has truly impacted your life and and changed and switched the trajectory of it based on their words and their knowledge. Yes, I agree 1000%. You know, sometimes you'll hear me saying that life doesn't have to be so hard because other people have dedicated their lives to figuring it out. And then they've condensed decades of lived experience and their greatest life lessons into a book that you can buy for $20 and you can read and apply in just a few hours of your time. So there's no better return on investment than investing in a good book where somebody shares with you all of the things that they figured out about a specific industry or an aspect of life. And so I appreciate the comment about my age. I'm 29, I'm turning 30 soon. But if you include all of the books behind me, I'm thousands of years old because again, they condense decades into days. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, gonna jump into that. You're still young into me anyway. But um, <laughs> the I want to jump into this book. And so I wanna I wanna highlight this and just jump right into it during this interview because Nick, you've done such a beautiful job. I was scanning through it this morning. And I realized that this is not just a book about learning how to improve reading skills. This book is so much more. And when I talked about you really applying the wisdom that you've learned, which is the point, right? If you're going to start reading, especially when it comes to self-development books, then you want to be able to apply that knowledge, right? You That's that's the point of it. And so you show that in here. And now you're sharing that with other people is a thing that you have learned and applied. So the book itself goes into some of the things uh, such as, uh, where was it? Um, well, you, you really give all of the golden nuggets of people to be able to apply in a to have a happy, healthy, wealthy life. And isn't that what everybody is obtaining? I mean, the wellness driven life show is really geared towards that. What's the overall thing? Because wellness is under this massive umbrella, 
right? And there's all of these different buckets. And we know that and we learn that as we go on. So I wanted to bring in a couple of the things that I thought were really great. And you have a lot of tattoos. We don't get to see them here today. But um, you have even tattooed yourself to give you some of these reminders so that you could recall uh, and remember to apply them. And so when we talk about that, you have an example of uh, play bigger trigger tattoo example number one. Yeah, so I, the concept of play bigger triggers is a really interesting one. The idea is that if you surround yourself with positive environmental cues, things that reinforce the behavior that you're trying to adopt or encourage you to live a better, stronger lifestyle, then you will live up to that expectation. And so for instance, my entire workspace is designed to reinforce the person I'm becoming. I have motivational artwork on the walls. I wear motivational clothing. I think this one today says on a living spree. I have the books behind me, which are all reminders of the things that I've overcome and the things that I'm working towards. And so I can't help but feel great every single day when I'm in this space. And one of the ways that I've taken this to the extreme is by tattooing my body with positive messaging. And I know this sounds a little bit crazy for people, but we live on autopilot most of the time. We have thousands of thoughts per day. Most of them are the same every single day. And a lot of them are negative because we're told no eight times for every time we're told yes when we're growing up. And we consume negative, divisive news programming and social media content all the time. Like we need every little advantage that we can get. And so I have probably about 40 tattoos right now, and I'll probably have well over 100 before I die. And so many of them, again, their positive messaging that reinforce the person I'm looking to become. So as far as my gratitude tattoos, which I have a few of, this started because early in my reading journey, I read about the power of gratitude, what it does for our brain. And there's a great quote that says, it's not happy people that are grateful, but it's grateful people that are happy. Gratitude is the input that creates happiness as the output. It's an activity. It's an action. We need to focus on it. So I started by journaling three things that I was grateful for every single day. And it had such a profound impact on my life that I got the numbers one, two, and three tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. So that every single day, if I'm ever feeling a feeling of lack, like something's missing, I can look down, I can look at the tattoo, I can think of three things I'm grateful for, and boom, I'm in a space of gratitude and fulfillment instantly. And I've done that thousands and thousands of times. And it exists subconsciously in my point of view in my peripheral vision when I'm not wearing a long sleeve sweatshirt all the time. And because there's just I have so many stories like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's because you're giving yourself those reminders that it's part of um, the programming that you've created for yourself. You know, they, the body is a robot that's controlled by the mind. And so when we start to create those habits, those existential things that remind us to create new habits and do new things, think differently, then it really does start to stick. And now it is solid in that subconscious mind. So Nick, you also have, I, I want to talk about that gratitude and why you do it in the morning, because, you know, when, when most of the people here on the show are people who want to be better, do better, improve themselves. You wouldn't be listening otherwise. Now there's so much stuff out there. And Nick, I think one of the beautiful things about what you bring and offer to the world is that you have dived so deeply into it and you have read 
read so much and interviewed so many people that you you get to see the trends and when you're applying them, you're seeing what really works and what makes the most sense. And so because of that, are there things that that make more sense like having gratitude in the morning rather than, you know, another time of day. And of course we should, as you have the reminder tattooed on you, do it all of the time and consistently, but is there something more powerful about the beginning of your day? Yeah, I think a lot about momentum. And if you can put yourself in a positive headspace and carry that momentum through the rest of the day, you're far more likely to have a great day. Ed Milet calls it bookending your day. Having a strong morning routine and a strong evening routine gives you a better chance at controlling the chaos in the middle. But if you just jump right into that chaos, at the end of the day, you're fatigued, your willpower is drained, and you don't have the same kind of energy to focus on gratitude. So I say do it right in the morning. And there are a few other ways that I've incorporated gratitude into my routines. My company, Book Thinkers, we have about 10 people on the team, and we use Slack as an internal communication uh, mechanism. And we actually have an entire channel dedicated to, to, greatly, uh, to daily gratitude. And so every single day, everybody on the team, I mean, it's optional, but everybody feels so good doing it. They jump in there and they write three things they're grateful for. So not only are they experiencing it, but everybody around them is experiencing it. And if you do believe you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, with which I do, then it's great to be around grateful people. Another way that I've implemented gratitude is every single Sunday, and I've been doing this for a long time now, years, I take out my phone and I record a, a 60 second gratitude time capsule outlining the best things that happened over the previous week. And so it's just 60 seconds. It's like, hey, today is Sunday, December 3rd. And over the last week, here are all the amazing things that happened. And it's one minute and I upload it to a Google Drive folder. It's all categorized by year. And the idea is that you can condense an entire year's worth of gratitude into less mm. than one hour. And How so cool I can, is that? yeah, I can access it years from now and I can click back when I'm feeling down and go watch some of those videos. It's, it's amazing. That is amazing. I mean, we, we live in such an incredible day and age. Absolutely. And Nick, when you talk about gratitude and that you apply it with the, the people that you're around your workspace, you really just energizing everybody else to emanate that feeling and embody that really. And so you, you do talk about how the sum of the five people really help create and shape us, but you take that a step further in your book where you're describing 25%, 25%, 25%. What does that mean? Can you explain it to the audience? Sure. When I was first starting my reading journey, it, uh, there's a great metaphor from a book called The Mastery of Self by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. And he says, imagine you're at, your, you're at a party and everybody else is drinking, but you're the only sober one there. And everybody's swinging from one end of the emotional spectrum to the other. And they're sort of continuing to drink. They're blind to the fact that you're sober. That's how I started to feel when I got into this world of personal development. I'm like, why is everybody around me choosing not to focus on this stuff. It's like magic. It makes you feel so good. And there's so much to learn and improve and do for your energy and your health and your fitness and your nutrition, but also your business and your finances and your headspace and everything. And so I, I really started to distance myself from a lot of people who didn't want to invest in themselves. But then I stumbled across a video where Ty Lopez, internet marketer, he had something called the rule of 33%, but it was missing something. So here's what I've developed. I've, I have four categories instead of three. I call it the rule of 25. Mm. 
you should spend 25% of your time with mentors, people who have done what you want to do, and they've helped other people get there as well. Now, you can't always get a mentor to spend time with you in person, but you can read books about them, or you can read books written by them. You can consume podcast content like this, and you can spend time with people who make you think bigger. Bucket number two, you spend time with your peers. These are people who are fighting the same fight that you are. And that might not be your immediate friend group. It might be a support system that you build online. It might be other people in the podcast community, people who are on the same mission. 25% of your time can be spent mentoring others. And oftentimes this happens with your friends that aren't into the personal development stuff. You're just constantly refreshing the fundamentals and sharing with people what you're learning. You're teaching others. And the more you teach, the more you'll learn because you're repeating the information and repetition leads to retention which is really important. And the last bucket, this is the one that I added, is that 25% of your time should be spent with yourself. Journaling, meditating, focusing on mindfulness, gratitude, reading great books, exercising, you know, those sorts of things. And mm -hmm. there's a great quote too, I'll kind of wrap up my tangent here, uh, by Blaise Pascal, where he says, all of man's problems stem from his inability to spend five minutes in a room alone. And it's that idea that we should be very comfortable with our own thoughts. In fact, we should spend a lot of time with our own thoughts because that's where the magic happens. It does. And so many of our great leaders and, and great creators in the world really have uh, attributed that to spending time with themselves and also going into when we talk about sleep into the the dream state where it allows the subconscious mind to really do the work and serve us the greatest but i, I just wanted to highlight i love that you created that nick with the the 25 buckets here and there and with yourself is of course very important but what i love about it the most is that it doesn't close you off of anything when we talk about you are the sum of the five people, it doesn't mean to only have five people surrounding you, right? It There's more to it than that. And don't necessarily close yourself off from the rest of the world because everybody has something different to offer and we're all unique in a different uh, light. And so there's, there's something there with that. So I really appreciate that you came up with that and that you've included it in the book. And going back to this book is so much more than just knowing how to benefit from what you're, you're soaking in with the books that you read. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. 
Yeah. And the first half of the book is focused on how do you master your reading habits? How do you implement more of what you learn from these books? The second half of the book gives over a hundred examples of things that I've implemented for my health, for my wealth, and for my happiness. So the health bucket covers a whole bunch of different things from nutrition to sleep and, and everything in between. The wealth bucket is a lot of productivity tips, things that I've learned how to optimize my time more efficiently, but there are some wealth management strategies in there as well. And then the final bucket, happiness, covers all sorts of things related to those same subjects we were just talking about. Gratitude, mindfulness, journaling, how you interact with other people, practices like my daily gratitude or my weekly gratitude time capsule. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to focus on a holistic view of your life. When I was in my young 20s, if somebody had a lot of money, I thought they were successful. But nowadays, when I look at somebody with a lot of money, if they're not healthy or if they don't have great relationships with themselves and the people around them, that's not success anymore to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's fascinating how we change our minds as we as we grow. And definitely when you engulf yourself in learning other people's uh, wisdom, then it certainly turns that over. You know, I was I had a discussion with Eric Malzone and he's he's a guru in fitness and he's really utilized that uh, throughout his entire life. And he described and was very vulnerable about it when he said, I used to think that the paleo diet was everything and that was going to transform anybody's life. And then my mind changed and I learned more and I grew more and I have a different uh, understanding of it now. But, but that's just how it is, right? And that's the beauty of continuing to grow because there's no end cap with that. It, it is a constant thing and that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, I think so too. In that world of nutrition and health, uh, I love it. I focus on, I think outside of reading and traveling, uh, my favorite area of life is biohacking and nutrition and fitness and optimizing for energy and everything like that. And, you know, I, I mentioned it in my book, but when you get into the world of personal development, there are going to be people on every side of every argument, and they're all referencing the same academic studies coming out of the best universities. It's just when you read with a bias, you can find data to support just about anything, right? So mm. just like he was mentioning, I think it's important to be curious, not biased. And over time, you'll pick and choose things from the different books you read. You'll diversify your perspective, and you'll find what works for you by testing and measuring. And so, yeah, I don't think there's a one size fits all. And that's a very important through line in my book is that you should read and learn from just about everybody. Yes. Well, Nick, you have a whole section in your book about combating the downside of self-help. So let's dig into that a little bit. What do you mean? What are some of the things that you're, you're explaining about that aspect? Because there are downsides of self-development, aren't there? Yes, absolutely. If you jump into the world of self-development and you start reading advanced forms of every single subject, but you're in a bad momentum spiral, those books will just reinforce your feelings of inadequacy. So I think it's really important when you first start to understand what type of headspace you're in and read appropriately. Read beginner books if you're a beginner in something and you don't have a lot of self-appreciation. And as you start to build momentum in a positive direction, you can start to diversify your reading a little bit more and start to read more complex subjects. But 
If you're in a money pit and you read a book about how somebody made $100 million in a week, that's not going to help you, right? So kind of start slow and build from there. I also write about how personal development can become a form of procrastination. I mean, the, this is apparent mm -hmm. in the world of dating sometimes. People are down on their luck. They're looking for books on dating and pickup lines, how to create more confidence. And the books themselves provide more relief and dopamine than actually getting out there and taking action, right? Because you visualize yourself going through these steps, but you never actually go out there and ask anybody out. So reading feels better than doing. And that can happen in every industry, entrepreneurship, personal finance, health and fitness. And so you've got to be really careful. Are you reading or are you reading to take action? And uh, there are a whole bunch of other ones that I write about in there. But I really want people to be careful because it is such a beautiful industry and most authors are good actors. But there are some bad actors out there and you just need to be careful. Well, Nick, you know very, very well working with authors all across the board and knowing what is great content and the reasoning backed behind the writing in general. Is it really just to support their brand and make a buck? Or is it that they really do have knowledge that they want to share and enlighten the world with? And so you talk a little bit about when, when we have all of these different authors and you're reading two different book tiles on the similar subject, which one to choose, right? And is there one that you can definitely tell this is not necessarily realistic and they're after that buck? Or is it is it the other author that this is more of real obtainable uh, aspect and reality of this, this self-help book? And so which one do you choose? And you talk about doing research with that and really mm -hmm. digging into the the reviews uh, on Amazon or what have you, the, the book reviews on Barnes and Noble, where, where people are giving their insight. And you talk about reading maybe the four-star reviews because people might have a different aspect for it, where it's not just somebody who's, you know, helping out the friend. Yeah, I think I think the best reviews are the three and four star reviews because they're written from a place of logic, not emotion. You'll read things like, here is my expectation, and most of it was met, but this is what was missing, and things like that. And you're right. I you know, Amazon KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing, made it made writing and releasing a book more accessible to people. So I think that's the upside. The downside is that there are a lot more books coming out every single day and self-publishing is very easy to do. And so yeah. you have to compete in order to differentiate yourself. And if you're writing about investing, you know, the standard used to be, hey, make $10,000 in 30 days. But now there are a thousand books that say that. So how do you stand out? Make $100,000 in 30 days, make a million dollars in 30 days. At some point, it's not realistic anymore. And right. so you're just selling for the sake of selling. And uh, that's why I say you've got to do your research and read. So, you know, you, you, you've created this company that is really, really amazing. Do you find yourself ever, ever running into authors that you feel is not really authentic or legit, but you still choose to work with them? Have you had conflicts with that with yourself and creating this really awesome business for authors. Well, when I first started, I was sort of ignorant to this. I thought every author was out there trying to be a good person and was writing a good book. Like if you put out a book, it means it's a good book. You put a lot of time and effort into it. But as I spent more time in the industry and read more books, I realized that's not always the case. So yes, there were definitely times where we returned money 
after reading a book and thinking, ah, this is not appropriate to promote, or we don't want to promote this person. I won't drop any names or anything like that, but I've also spent time in person with authors. I, there's one story that sometimes I tell, I, I won't say the name, but I was at an author's house, very well-known author, has written a lot of books, and we were at his kitchen table, and somebody walked in and, and mentioned a quote. They said, hey, when you wrote this, it changed my life, and he kind of laughed and said, and I just, you know, you sort of lose respect. You realize there are a lot of people that have ghostwriters and they're just using these books as a marketing tool. And we try to, I think today we do a much better job at filtering those out before we choose to work with somebody because it is important to me to have integrity in my brand. Yes. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I, I would, I, I would feel if I was in that position, you, you know, you, you can be very ignorant at first and you feel that, oh, it's all going to be great. And, and I would love for you, Nick, to just say one more time because you cut out on my end. So I don't know if it did so for the audience, but when you ask the author at the kitchen table, uh, or when that person, the, the, the reader asked them and they chuckled and they had the response, could you say the response again? Yeah. He said something like, I haven't written any of my books. You know, he just kind of laughed and, okay. and shrugged it off. And so the point is that there are a lot of people, well-known authors, big names that sell a lot of books that had nothing to do with the book itself. Yes. And, you know, myself included, I wasn't aware of that either. And I've had authors on the show that have said the same thing where, you know, I, I didn't do a whole ton in this. I had a lot of help or I paid an agency or what have you. And so it's fascinating. Doesn't mean that it's not good information still, but there are some realities that people might not know about it. And so distinguishing really great books and really great authors uh, can be one thing. And I guess the point of that is really to do a little bit of research with that and to, to, you know, apply what makes sense for you because regardless of where it came from if it works for you and it makes a difference in your life like that that person said about the quote that the author was like well I didn't write it but you know there's that too if it works for somebody and it makes a big difference in their lives that's that's the point of it and you know and Nick tell me if you agree or disagree but so much of this has already been in the world. And, and so it's just, it's the same information just said differently and said by a different face, right? But when we talk about the Stoics and historically all of the things, they're all just being recirculated. Yeah. And I had some insecurities around that when I was first starting to write my book. And I had a friend mention Ryan Holiday and Stoicism. He said, listen, Ryan hasn't written anything original on Stoicism, but what he's doing Bringing is he's reading of books. He's consolidating the information and presenting it in a new way. Yeah. And that's important and people use it and they digest it. Yeah. I think that's a really big message here, Nick, for sure, is that we, we can come and step out into the world in our own way and not be fearful of that. Because I think the magic of it too, you know, when, when you start exposing yourself to the world is people fall in love with you and who you are. Yes. Yes, they do. And you are the person that ties everything in your brand together. I mean, as, as I step into the limelight a little bit more now, having written a book for the first time, uh, you know, my personal pages, it's a blend between personal development books, how to get more from the books you read, but also international travel. And so mm -hmm. those are sort of the two major passions that I have. And now I'm stepping into this world of 
biohacking and health. And I love that too. So yeah, I'm the thing that ties it all together. It's not new, but maybe for somebody it does present a different way and they can receive it for the first time. I think that's the thing that is the funnest part is where you can really combine all of your passions, right? Yeah. And and bring it all to light and together and experience it and live it. And, and that is so much fun and so much joy. There's something that you have in your book, Nick, that I, I'm excited to learn more about for my own personal self. But you you say that, um, oh, and no, I'm going to have to look at it again because I forget my words. Reality is negotiable. And so I would love for you to explain what do you mean by that? What is reality is negotiable? I first read those three words in the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And so Tim was talking about how society is pretty persistent. It wants to keep you in a box, you know, the standard nine to five work a job that you hate for 40 years until you can maybe retire and start living your life, get into a bunch of debt, blah, blah, blah. But Tim said, Hey, reality is negotiable. You can create something that's uniquely fulfilling to you. And so for me, when I read that book, I had just graduated college. I was in a standard nine to five in a cubicle every single day thinking this isn't for me. Like I want to start a business, but that's not really that popular, right? This was back in 2017. Gary Vee was just starting to pop off and really talk about entrepreneurship, but it was still going against society's expectations. Friends and family would say, oh, don't risk it, you know, play the safe route, blah, blah, blah. And so I actually got reality is negotiable tattooed on my other wrist. Again, as a constant reminder that I am capable of designing something that's fulfilling to me. And here I am less than 10 years later, and I have designed that life. I followed the roadmap. I started to pay more attention to what I wanted to do and not what society wanted me to do. And this is the result, you know? So it's a great reminder of that inflection point in my life and really taking control and bending reality to my will. And I believe all of us are capable of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you truly are creating that, Nick. It's astounding all of the things that you have created, the businesses you created, the book, I foresee many more. And with that said, Nick, what is next for you? I mean, what is your next big dream and endeavor? You know, what's funny about that question, April, is I used to have big answers to that. And these days when I envision my future, it's just more of the same in a good way. I genuinely enjoy the passage of time. I've spent 10 years focused on designing a reality that fulfills me and it has arrived. So when I think about the future, I think about more of the same. I think about a bigger positive impact on the planet. I think about a bigger business that helps more authors get their books in front of more people. I think about more podcast interviews with the world's best in every single industry. I think about writing more books, but you know what? It's not so different than the reality that I've created today. When you read hundreds of books and you implement them, you can design something that is fulfilling in the present moment. And you can get there because sometimes you hear like, there's always something else to chase. That's true. But eventually you do get to a place in your present moment where you are genuinely fulfilled. Hmm. That is a very powerful response, Nick. I, I think that's awesome because, I mean, that's really where we're all trying to get to, right? To be quite satisfied with where we're at, but we're also seeking to improve and yes. make progress. So that, you know, and being in the present moment and the satisfaction of that and the joy of that and the, the gratefulness of that. And 
So I think that you're at an incredible place and state, and I love all of the things that you're creating in the world. I'm going to hold up the book one last time for the audience. It's, it's, a, it's a good book. I really am impressed. And I see a lot of books, Nick. So I love that you're, you're truly giving so much of all of the things that you have learned and you've learned a lot. So, uh, and, and of course, I feel like I can say that genuinely based on, I too have learned a lot and talk to a lot of people and, and love all of the books and continue to grow myself. So I, I really truly love all of the things that I see in here. And I think that there's some of the top things that I see often with some of the, the top, uh, world changers and movers and shakers. So that said too, Nick, if you would share with us, I know that we've, we've shared a couple of them that you do, but what are some of the things that you're doing each day? What does a day look like for you where you have really ingrained some of those incredible habits? This is always changing. I've, I've had morning routines that have 25 steps and I've had morning routines that have no <laughs> steps, but today, this is what it looks like in an abbreviated fashion. I wake up and immediately I go downstairs, I get my dog and we go to the park. We walk for 45 minutes to an hour, breathe in the fresh air, get some of that early sunlight exposure before consuming caffeine, uh, get the exercise endorphins flowing a little bit, head back. I do a 20 minute transcendental meditation in front of my red light therapy device. Sounds a little bit goofy, but it makes me feel amazing. Then I go to the gym. I do a one hour workout typically. Maybe it's a little bit less than that sometimes. I really get the exercise endorphins flowing. I come back and then after showering and getting ready, that's when I'll start some of the other things, reading, journaling, gratitude, mindfulness, things like that. And that's also when I'll have my first caffeine. One of my biggest tips for people who are just getting into the world of reading is read when you have the most energy. A lot of people try to read at the end of the day when their willpower is burned out and they've got kids running around and it's crazy and their boss yelled at them. And it's like, that's not a good headspace to read. Read when your energy is at its peak, when the exercise endorphins are flowing and that caffeine, that neural enhancer hits. And so then I start my work day. There are other things that I'll kind of insert from time to time. I've been really focused on breathing recently. So I do the Wim Hof breathing method yeah. and I, I practice intermittent fasting. So I never eat until after lunchtime. But those are some of the things that are included in my morning routine right now. Yeah. And, and you do tap on those and so much more in the book. So I highly encourage everyone to check it out and get a copy because it's, it's filled full of stuff with this beautiful person, Nick Hutchinson and all of the wisdom that he has really obtained and continues. And again, I think that there, there might be more books. I don't know. I just, I just foresee it. I see this happening because I you're going to so continue too. to learn and grow and develop and shed more light to the the, to the audience. And that's incredible. So I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you www.nickhutch.com H U T C H nickhutch.com. And for those of you listening in, there's that. And all of you watching here, it's been displayed on the screen and it is always in the description below. Nick, you've been an awesome guest. I really appreciate you being here on the wellness driven life show. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience today? 
Just that the right book at the right time can change your life. Remember that life doesn't have to be so hard. Other people have figured it out. So if you choose the right book and you implement the solutions, you can live a better life. Ah, uh, you've you've been awesome to have on the show. Thank you so much, Nick. And yeah, thank, thank you. you to the audience. You, It's my pleasure. Truly, truly, it is. And to the audience, thank you so much for tuning in. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. Again, check out Nick. Get a copy of his book in the description below. And goodbye for now. We will see you next time.